all parents desire for their children to enjoy growing up without being afraid, right? Yes. Good, I think I got it. But it is fear, but is fear ever a good thing? Culture might say no, but the Bible says yes. Fear of God, a healthy awareness and respect for the majesty and power of God leads us to act wisely and to trust him who is also gracious and loving. So fear is a good thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. When we fear that we may be in danger, that's a good fear. Yeah. Right? Okay, let's look at the passages that we have. Uh, Joshua 2, 1 to 7. I want to take that one. Before we do, let me, let me do the setting. Let me give you a setting. Israel left 400 years of slavery in Egypt, received the Ten Commandments a few months later, and journeyed through the desert, arriving near the Promised Land. However, because of their failure to trust God, Israel had to wander in the desert for 40 years. After Moses died and Joshua was installed as leader, he sent two spies to Jericho. <coughs> Rahab, an inhabitant of Jericho, demonstrated courageous faith in God by helping those spies. And we know the rest of the story, right? Yeah. Okay, let's look at those passages then. Joshua, Joshua 2, 1-7. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Achaia group, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites' men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house. For they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the city gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks, the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them after the the men pursued them along the road to the forts of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the city gate was shut. I grew up with parents who gave me two warnings. One. Nothing good happens after midnight, and always be careful of those with whom I hung out. I had a healthy fear of my parents that drove me to obey them, as well as a fear of seedy people who might harm me. So I knew that either of hiding out on the rooftop of a woman with a, with a bad reputation would not have set well with my parents. But Joshua, too, points to a different type of fear. A healthy fear of God that fueled the courage of the spies and of their accomplice, a prostitute named Rahab. The spies had legitimate concerns as they scouted Jericho. The city was a part of the Amorite kingdom, a kingdom whose destiny had been determined as far back as Genesis 15:16, when God told Abram his descendants would return to the land now possessed by the Amorites. Their fate was confirmed in Deuteronomy 20:17 when the Israelites were commanded to wipe out the Amorites because their sin would influence their own culture and future. 
The spies knew they faced a formidable enemy, yet they also knew this was a no-failed mission. The Israelites had already lost 40 years due to their own lack of faith. But now when the time had come to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, the two spies sought refuge in the home of a prostitute, their first encounter with an inhabitant of the Promised Land. Why did the spies go there? Whether it was for the first place they found out, or they thought she knew how to be discreet because of her occupation, it was definitely God's providence. How many times have you looked back at decisions you've made and seen the hand of God's protection or provision? Even in the unlikeliest of places, God is at work, and he was surely at work in the heart of Rahab. Wherever Rahab is mentioned in the Bible, you'll find more than her name. You'll see a reference to her occupation. While some ancient historians have tried to soften the term prostitute to innkeeper, the Hebrew, <laughs> the Hebrew word zona means just what we think it means, make no mistake. Rahab was a backroom prostitute. Charles Spurgeon said it clearly. This woman was no mere hostess, but a real hawk. Hmm. I am persuaded that nothing but a spirit of distaste for free grace would ever have led any commentator to deny her sin. Hmm. We don't know why she chose prostitution, but suffice it to say, little girls don't grow up with the dream of one day selling their bodies. Hmm. Because she expressed such concern for our family, Joshua 2.12, we see she cared deeply for their welfare, so her occupational choice was likely the result of desperation. Rahab's home was prime real estate, situated near the wall or within the wall, so she was prosperous. She would have welcomed the spies without question because she knew how to play the game of confidentiality. It's also possible she welcomed the spies because they didn't take advantage of her, but showed her respect and value something she probably didn't receive often. When questioned about the spies' whereabouts, Rahab lied. Was she justified in lying? Scripture never commends her dishonesty, but it does commend her faith, Hebrew 11.31. Have you ever befriended a Rahab? Do you see people beyond their sin and see them as image bearers of God? For me, it happened when I met Barbara, a victim of rape, Barbara ended up in prostitution, drug addiction, and ultimately prison. Through a prison ministry, another woman met Barbara in her brokenness and led her to a personal relationship with Christ. The day I met Barbara was the beginning of a friendship. Her story of redemption and recovery continues to remind me salvation is available to anyone, even the Rahabs and Barbaras we meet. Okay, so today we see, we are reminded again, as we are reminded so many times of the role of that, that a prostitute named Rahab played in eventually in assisting the spies, the Israelite spies, and, and eventually led them, uh, led to the fall of the city of Jericho. And as was mentioned already, her name is always mentioned uh, throughout. And... Um, uh, it never uh, ceases to remind us of what our occupation was. Um, we have a living by faith map here on the wall, and it, uh, it talks about 
courageous, uh, the courageous faith. Uh, the two spies left Acacia Grove. It's called Shittim. That's right, right here. Acacia Grove, Shittim. And they went to Jericho, which is, you can see, quite a distance. Jericho is here. Uh, uh, Acacia Grove is here. Uh, and so it was a good, a pretty good journey for them to go. And uh, they must have been tired by the time they got, they got where they were, got to the to, to the city, and uh, Rahab uh, went into this place where, of course, I don't think they knew what the place was when they went into it, uh, but they did not go there to patronize her occupation, okay, or what she did. They were looking for a place of refuge. So the two spies sought refuge in a home of a prostitute named Rahab. God's providence was evident as he used Rahab as his means of protecting the spies from his enemy. God can do anything with anything. That's right. And it will all result in his glory yes. and for his good purpose. All right, so we need to be careful of how we frown. Whenever Rahab's name, Rahab is mentioned in the Bible, her occupation is also referenced as well, as we mentioned already. Uh, so God wants us to always, always remember who she was, what she did, uh, the kind of occupation that she had. Um, the king was told about the man who came, and uh, uh, she lied. <laughs> Which I guess was, was part and parcel of the occupational... Uh, the like, an occupational hazard? It was something she was used to. I guess it was something she was used to. It. Okay? Uh, she hit the men. Okay, look, look at question number two. How can you treat those living in a sinful lifestyle with dignity and respect? Remember, that's what these men did with, with Rahab. When they went into the, the place, of course, they probably realized what her occupation was. But uh, the, the passage tells us they didn't take advantage of her, but showed her respect and value, something she probably didn't receive often. So the question is, how can we treat those living in sinful lifestyles with dignity and respect? Don't condemn them. Hmm? Don't condemn them. Don't condemn them, okay. I think also, too, you have to remember in the Bible, um, God chooses a lot of like lowly people and mm -hmm. people you wouldn't expect mm -hmm. to be, you know, mm -hmm. the prime person to do his will. Mm -hmm. Even like Jesus, I mean, his mom and dad, you know, his earthly dad at least was a, just a carpenter, so mm -hmm. it wasn't even like, you know, he was born to the king or anything. Yeah. So... Yeah, God chooses the most unlikely. Well, the Bible tells us that He chooses the foolish things of the world. Okay, to confound the wise. That's the way God works. You can't figure Him out. The Bible says, who knows the mind of God? Okay, who can teach Him? Who can instruct Him? Okay, never try to figure Him out. Next, uh, we will see, we will hear Rahab's perspective on the Israelites and their God. She had a perspective on the Israelites and their God. Let's look at the next uh, passage. Before the man fell asleep, she went upon the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the, uh, in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, 
the two Amorite kings to completely destroy it across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on earth below. Go on. Knowing who God is can be the first step toward recognizing how he acts in our lives. We begin to know God more clearly as we discover his attributes. We begin to trust God more clearly as we experience his work in our lives. Rahab's confidence was grounded in who God is and what he does. Rahab made several statements that revealed she had a pretty good idea of who God is and what he is capable of doing. Number one, God had given the land to the Israelites. The mission hadn't yet occurred, yet Rahab knew the Israelites would conquer Jericho. She knew God had given the land to the Israelites. Number two, Jericho was in a panic. Rahab sensed the fear and had heard how all the people were panicking throughout the city. It was no secret the Israelites were camped near Jericho. It's hard to hide two million people. <laughs> Rahab's report surely gave the spies confidence and may have brought to mind God's command in Joshua 1, verse 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Number three, God's protection of his people was well known. God's reputation had reached the ears of those in Jericho. The people of Jericho trusted in their fortified wall, but they also knew how God had empowered the Israelites to defeat the Egyptians, Exodus 14, 15 to 31, and the two Amorite kings, Numbers 21, verse 21 to 35. Number four, God is God over all. This is Rahab's confession. She knew who God was and she was ready to follow him. God had already been working in the heart of Rahab, and she wasn't following God out of fear, but with courageous faith. My personal faith journey is based on the unchanging character of God and his continuing faithfulness. God's providence and protection were never more apparent than when my husband and I left one state and moved to another to pursue a new ministry assignment. As we prayed and contemplated uprooting our lives, we moved forward with courage because we knew we could trust in who God is and how he had previously provided. Moving forward in faith with courage wasn't easy, but it was a giant leap of obedience. Still, we had confidence because we knew God's script for our lives is better than anything we could write on our own. Because of our obedience, we've seen the Lord open new doors for ministry and expand our reach to tell others the good news of Jesus. Okay, so uh, we see a, um, an overview of Rahab's knowledge mm -hmm. of the Israelites and their God in this passage. Notice, God had given the land to the Israelites. She, she knew that, she was aware of that. Uh, Jericho was in a panic. That was obvious to her. God's protection of his people was well known. She had heard about it a lot. And then uh, God is God over all. She came to a good understanding of that. So in verses 8 to 11, we'll discover more about Rahab's faith. We will observe how the fear of God is grounded in the confidence of who God is and what he does. Specifically, in verse 9, Rahab both expressed her faith in the Lord and the panic of the people of Jericho. Verse 10, 
reveals a reason for the panic, God's actions defending Israel and destroying Israel's enemies. In verse 11, the writer of the book of Joshua explained the depth of Rahab's faith revealed in her confession of who God is. Now this is a prostitute now. She didn't know God. She had no relationship with God. Okay? But this is how God's providence works. The writer continued describing the situation of the two Israelite spies. Rahab had hidden on a roof. After Rahab sent the king of Jericho's men five miles away chasing shadows, she went upstairs to a flat roof where she had hidden the spies under drying stacks of flax. Okay, so she was aware of who God was. She, was cap- she understood what God was capable of doing. She says, wow, what a God. Probably he can help me. All right, verse nine, we see a, f- a full explanation of Rahab's faith. Rahab made a remarkable statement. Notice, I know that the Lord has given you this land. How does she know that? How does she know that? She heard stories, okay. She knows what God is capable of doing. She heard how God given had given land over to his people in, in different experiences. We began to know God more clearly as we discover his attributes. We began to trust God more clearly as we experience his work in our lives. Mm-hmm. Rahab's confidence was grounded in who God is and what he does. Rahab made several statements mm-hmm. that revealed she had a pretty good idea of who God is. And what he was capable of doing. Now, that's right. Any other comments? She gets on quick, right? Okay. I'm sure she changed her life after that. Yeah, it was a life changing moment. Question number three. How would you explain the phrase fear of God to someone who isn't Christ, a Christ follower? How would you explain, explain that phrase? Fear, fear of God. Okay. Okay. Respect him? Yes. Okay. He's God Almighty. He's God Almighty? Okay. one that you should always fear. He is one to be feared? Yes. Why? He's the great I am that I am. Okay, next we will see the request Rahab made to the spies. Now, this is after a realization of who God is and what God was doing and what he was capable of going to. In reference to that statement on verse 19, Rahab's confidence, the top of verse 19, first paragraph on the top, Rahab's confidence was grounded in who God is and what he does. Rahab made several statements that revealed she had a pretty good idea of who God is and what he was capable of doing. In light of that, with that in the background, we're now going to see the kind of deal 
Because she's going to make, because she's, the, this God is new to her now. She just saw who he, who he is, first of all, and what he's capable of doing. So she says, boy, I got to cash in on this. <laughs> Let's look at the next passage, verses two, 12 to 14. Now please swear to me, Joshua 2, 12 to 14. Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family, because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them, and save us from death. The man answered her, we will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. I have a healthy fear of tornadoes. I spent most of my life in Oklahoma where the blare of tornado warnings is simply part of spring. When I was a young girl, my mom and I visited a woman from our church who had survived a tornado. The twister had picked up her entire home and thrown it into a field a few miles from the original foundation. Returning to where her home previously stood, she discovered a ceramic figurine completely unscathed. Her entire home was gone, but she had her life and one small memento from her past. Rahab was about to encounter her own kind of storm. She knew her life and the lives of her family were in danger from the impending attack on Jericho. She wanted a promise of protection from the spies she had saved, and she got it. What she could not know was how her trust and faithfulness in the midst of this calamity would have lasting implications far beyond her earthly life. The walls of Jericho would come down, but her life and the lives of her family would be spared. Rahab's faith reminds us of some key truths about our own faith. God was at work. Joshua and the army didn't spare Rahab's life and her house. God did. While the spies promised their protection and honored their promise, ultimately the Lord saved and preserved Rahab and her family. As you will see, God was not finished with Rahab. Belief leads to action. Rahab believed. Because of this faith, her works and actions followed. Her faith is the same. We not only place our faith in God, but what do we believe? But our faith is made alive through the way we act each day and by our action towards others. Trust in God affects future generations. When you and I live our lives fearing God and trusting Him, we leave a legacy of faith for future generations. <coughs> Rahab became the wife of Solomon, who fathered Boaz in the book of Ruth. That means she was the great grandmother of David. Ultimately, Rahab's trust and faithfulness allow her to be listed in the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew 1, 5 through 6. And she is listed among scriptures, around, around the, around scriptures heroes of faith in Hebrews eleven thirty one. Walking in faith is a daily process. We are to daily turn from our past and trust God with our future. Rahab left her past lifestyle and aligned herself with the people of God. With God, our lives are not about our past, but about who we are becoming in Christ. Rahab's cunning bravery 
wasn't fueled by her fear of men, but a courageous fear of the God of Israel. Her gusty faith based in her knowledge of God led to courageous faith put into action. We too can trust God to tear down the walls. Whatever strongholds or sins we have in our lives, just as God wanted the Israelites to conquer the walls of Jericho, he wants to break down the walls that keep us from walking in courageous faith. Okay. A couple of things about uh, Rahab we notice in this particular passage. Um, Rahab's request was more like a demand. <laughs> Her use of the words, notice she uses the words, swear to me by the Lord. That's more of a demand. Indicates the forcefulness of her demand. She was serious about what she was asking for. She wasn't playing. Okay, Rahab's fear of God led her to trust him. When she saw what God was capable of doing, that caused her to have faith, to trust God. Rahab demanded the spies show kindness to her family because she had shown kindness to them. Tit for tat. That's right, bottom for fat. Right. <laughs> so Rahab requested a sure sign. Okay, so in verses 12 to 13, uh, in verses 1 to 7, we saw how the fear of God gave Rahab courage to act on her faith in God. Okay, we saw that in the first seven verses. Okay, in verses 8 to 11, we discovered more about Rahab's faith. We observed how the fear of God is grounded in the confidence of who God is and what he does. In these verses, these set of verses, verses 12 to 14, uh, we see how the fear of God leads us to trust him and his purposes. So the focus of all three sections supports the point of our lesson today. And what is that point? The power of God that leads us to fear him also leads us to trust him. Okay, see the point? Yes. Uh, can, I, uh, can I say something? Go ahead. All of this can happen only when we take hold of 2 Corinthians 10.5. Mm -hmm. We don't approach things in the natural. We, uh, we look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. We don't wage war in our natural flesh. We always do our things in our natural flesh. Mm -hmm. But if we do it God's way, that is where we get it. Second Corinthians 10 is something we should take hold and try to apply God mm -hmm. every day and in every situation. Amen. You knock me, I'm not going to knock you back. I'm going to do it God's way and that's where we get it. Mm -hmm. Still working on me with that. God's way still works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So after Rahab confessed her faith in God to the two Israelite spies at the end of verse 11, notice, Rahab confessed her faith in God to the two Israelite spies at the end of verse 11. She requested the spies reward her for her protection of them. The word demanded may be more accurate. She more like demanded. Uh, than requested. Even though Rahab softened her tone as indicated by please, <laughs> Rahab's use of the word swear to me by the Lord indicates forcefulness, the forcefulness of her demand. 
The use of God's personal name, the Lord, reveals the seriousness of her command. So again, she was serious. Why was Rahab able to make this demand? Scripture reveals at least three reasons. One, from the beginning of this account, Rahab took charge of the situation she faced, an unusual position in a society dominated by men. She gave shelter to the two Israelite spies. She hid them. She lied to the king's men about them. And she even sent the king's men away. <laughs> Secondly, by lying to the king's men and sending them away, uh, sending them away as well as hiding the spies, Rahab helped the spies avoid certain death. These spies were indebted to her. And then thirdly, although Rahab was a Canaanite, she confessed her faith in the God of Israel. She used God's personal name, Yahweh, Lord. Rahab recognized God as God in heaven above and on earth below, according to verse 11. Rahab even recounted some of God's mighty acts, benefiting and protecting the nation of Israel, like drying up the Red Sea and completely destroyed the Amorite king, Sihon and Og. Rahab's fear of God led her to trust him. For this reason, some Bible scholars have written that we should review, we should view Rahab as an adopted Israelite. <laughs> this position is supported by the results of the Battle of Jericho. The fulfillment of the two spies, Rahab's two spies promised to Rahab to protect her and her family is found in Joshua chapter 6, verses 22 to 25, where Rahab's courageous faith was rewarded by rescuing a family who then became a part of Israel. What did Rahab demand from the spies? First, Rahab demanded the spies show kindness to her family. Literally, my father's house, she said. The Hebrew word translated kindness usually is printed in English as chesed, a term rich, a term rich with meaning. Other English words used to translate chesed include loving kindness, goodness, favor, and mercy. Found some 253 times in the Hebrew Testament, Old Testament, this word is frequently used to describe God's actions toward his people. God's actions flow from his personal character. And so the object of this kindness was Rahab and her father's family. This family included a number of people, father, mother, brothers, sisters, and their households. Part of this showing of kindness to Rahab's family was that they'd be spared from death when Israel completely destroyed Jericho just several weeks later. Second, Rahab expressed the reason for her demands. Because I showed kindness to you. So the idea of reciprocal kindness was central to the hospitality many people showed during these, these centuries. By pointing out she had already shown kindness to the spies, Rahab placed a burden on the spies to meet her demands. And then thirdly, Assuming the positive response to her demands, Rahab further requested that the spies give her a sure sign. 
or we could call it a guarantee. <laughs> so Rahab not only wanted an immediate response to her demands from the Israelite spies, she also wanted a true sign she could see and base her trust on. Okay, now there's a whole lot more you can see here, but, but Rahab, but question number four. When have you seen God reward when have you seen God reward faith in him? When have you seen that? Literally seen that yourself. God literally rewarded faith in him. Any experiences come to mind? When my husband um, was sure that the Lord meant for him to resign from our last ministry, mm-hmm. not knowing where we would go next and when we would go. Okay. I had one where when we were, we were led of the Lord to go to Florida to serve the sister ministry there. Uh, the missions uh, body that I worked for here told me that um, they don't support overseas missionaries, so they had to cut my support. They can't support me when I go. So God bless you. Good. Well intentioned, God bless you. Right? And uh, shortly after that, a brother called me and invited me to lunch. Right? He was a businessman here on the island. And when we went to lunch, to his favorite spot, Checkers Cafe, uh, he said to me, the reason why I invited you here is because I'm going to support you financially for the whole time you need to be there. Wow. Wow. I didn't expect that. And guess what? The amount that he supported was the exact amount that was cut off. Wow. He had no way of knowing that. He didn't even know they were, they were not going to support me. So he didn't know how much it was you were getting before. No. And he didn't know they weren't going to support me. And he did that for the whole five years that we were there. Every month, that amount came. It came through our, our local assembly, of course, but along with what others gave. But that was, that was how God worked. And then question number five. What experience have you served as a, what experience have served as a foundation for your trust in God? What experience have served as a foundation for your trust in God? Had an experience? Yes, I had one last week. I called, I called someone up just to assure them that I was praying for them. Mm-hmm. And they delivered a message to me and said they was trying to get me a long time. They couldn't reach me. Mm. So I was able to get that message. A very important message. Praise the Lord. Uh, okay, <laughs> anybody else? Experience, yo. Uh, uh, it, um, my, I will always forever thank God for letting me have the privilege of being born to my mom and dad mm-hmm. whose trust was centered in God. And that was shown to me that it was the most valuable thing in life to trust God mm-hmm. because of what I saw God do through their faith in Him mm-hmm. and through their teaching of the Word. And that was the foundation from which my faith in God was built. Mm-hmm. And it, so all of us have a huge impact on the people that are close to us mm-hmm. because we are building their trust in God by the faith that we express and evidence in our actions and how we are before them. Amen. 
Amen. I find as somebody who works for themselves, mm-hmm. you have to have that trust because you could make some money today and you don't know when the next, next one's going to come. It's not, it's so different from when you work for someone else mm-hmm. where you know, okay, at the end of the month, I'm going to get paid. Mm-hmm. You do not know that. Yeah. And it doesn't, and sometimes everything is backed up. You have money, you're expecting money, but everything is backed up yeah. and you have no money and you're like, and then I was thinking too, when, when you said this, when I was building my house, mm-hmm. I, I would drive by the, the vacant lot and I could already see it built. I could already <laughs> see it normal. I had some money to start building and I didn't mm-hmm. know how I was gonna finish it, but mm-hmm. I could already see it. I could already see the place there built. Mm-hmm. Trust. So things like that. Yeah, you know? trust in God. Yeah. Um, when I was young, my, my, I didn't, my parents, I didn't learn much about God with them. Mm-hmm. But I went to St. Davis with my grandparents who were my daddy family. Mm-hmm. And they, in fact, my granddaddy was a pastor of the show. And they set up <coughs> the foundation for me, you know, because they gave me something to look at that I did not look at before. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, okay, uh, let's look at live it out. Our time is gone, so let's look at live it out. But I had an experience. I, I believe I told you about the experience where I had the accident, got sued by the car, yeah. the, this guy, and so on. But that was one of the experiences that um, uh, set a foundation for me in terms of my trust in God because it, it was. I think the devil intended it for a distraction to get my eyes and my focus off what I was there for. And so this big lawsuit looming over my head and I was going to be worried about it and distracted. But, you know, I committed it to the Lord. I told you, when I got the the letter, the summons, the first thing came to mind was uh, the passage in in Kings where, um, who was was it, got the letter and he spread it before the Lord. Who was that? Anybody remember? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Right? That's the first thing that came to mind. When I got the letter and opened it, because I wasn't I was at home, I was out front dealing with another issue. My wife got the letter. And when I went back into the, to the apartment, she gave it to me and I opened it. And when I opened it and I read it, the first thing came to mind was Hezekiah. And I had this little room, the first room in the apartment I set up was a study. And so I went into that study and I got down on my hands and knees and I spread that before the Lord and I said, I'm doing what Hezekiah did. You didn't respond to him? You gotta respond to me the same way. I spread it before the Lord. I said, Lord, this is bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. And the next day, the very next day, I got another letter. And that letter was from a law firm in Tallahassee, Florida, informing me that they have been acquired to defend me in this lawsuit. And I didn't have to do a single thing. In fact, they told me that if they needed to take a deposition, they would come from Tallahassee. Wow. to Florida, to Jacksonville, to do that. I didn't even have to go there. Wow. And that went on and on and on. Every couple of days or every week, I would get correspondence from the law firm and uh, with all these details and investigation and all kinds of stuff. And it got to the point where I, started, I stopped opening them. I had this box. I just, when I saw it was Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> and I had this big box with all this correspondence. And it went on and on for the whole five years that we were there. Never even thinking about it. And I never thought about it until something came. <laughs> and we, when we finished our time, we came back home. I think it was about two weeks after we came back home, I got a letter from the law firm saying that we have settled the lawsuit for less than the amount that it was. Right? I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, you committed to the Lord yes. and he'll take care of it. Yes. All right. So that, that indefinitely would set a foundation for trusting in God. Okay, live it out. Page 23. 
Courageous fear of God results in faithful actions for him. How can you move forward in your faith with courage? One, express thanks. Thank God for his faithfulness throughout your life. Thank him for keeping his promises. Two, tackle the wall. Is there a wall in your life that you need to, you need God to tear down? Yeah. Trust him to do so. Remember that your trust does not determine your future. Or your past does not determine your future. Journal your fears and write out scriptures to remind you of God's faithfulness. Remember Psalm 145, 6. They shall proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. And then leave a legacy. Ask God to guide you in leaving the right kind of spiritual legacy to your children, grandchildren, and others who follow you. This begins with sharing your faith in Christ. Seek opportunities to talk and pray with someone who needs to turn from sin and to trust Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, so Rahab example by recognizing when God is at work in our lives and to trust him when we see him at work and when we don't. That's Rahab's example for us to follow. Okay, and she was a prostitute. She saw it. Father, thank you for using flawed people like us. Help us to trust you in all of our circumstances and help us to make the applicable application from Rahab's example to our own lives. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.